Hey guys, this is Hurricane Heather Joe Clark, and you're listening to the episode 32, Authentic Athletes. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Authentic Athletes. I'm your host, Greg Jones, and it is my job to provide you with a fun and meaningful conversation from your favorite athletes. And today, we talk with UFC's Heather Joe Clark. Heather is a well-known MMA fighter with appearances on the TV show, The Ultimate Fighter. She has many UFC fights under her belt, and she was awarded the 2011 Knockout of the Year at the Women's MMA Press Awards. In our conversation, we walk through why she decided to start fighting, what MMA in the UFC has taught her that she applies to her life outside the octagon, and most importantly, she shares the mindset and phrase she lives by, which is believe to believe. And it's a mentality that she is so dedicated to and so dedicated to spreading that she has it tattooed on her body. This is definitely worth the listen, so I want to get right into it. Please enjoy this conversation with Heather Joe Clark. Heather, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. We met at Merging Vets and Players, which is a nonprofit organization led by Jay Glazer and Nate Boyer. And it's all about bringing veterans, both from the military and professional sports, together to help with their transition to the next chapter. And at a high level, MVP, you work out for an hour and then you have a fireside chat, you know, to get things off your chest, peer to peer counseling kind of thing. And I won't dive into the details, but during one of the fireside chats, you spoke about a phrase that you live by, which is believe to believe. And you know that, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that stuck with me. And so my goal of this conversation is to dive into your believe to believe mindset, right? And you know how that, Absolutely. how you apply that, yeah, how you apply that to your career as a, as a UFC fighter. So to start, can you really explain that phrase and what believe to believe means to you and how it came about? So I wish I was the one that made it, but I can't take the, the credit, actually. Um, a friend of mine that I met when I moved to Vegas from Albuquerque. So I was at Jackson Winkle John's for four and a half years. And um, I kind of just made the choice to uh, follow my photography career to Vegas and open up a, a, a boudoir photography studio with a, a company that I worked with in LA mm-hmm. uh, that I had been working with for a long time. And so anyways, I, I made my, my move to Vegas and I met this guy at, uh, at the gym named Rudy Morales. And Rudy is, uh, he's from Guatemala. He came over here when he was 14 years old. Uh, basically, you know, uh, what do they call it? Like coyote style? Is that, is that what they call it when they, when they, they come in? How do, I don't know what the term is. I probably just totally messed that one up. No, it's all good. <laughs> it, it, I don't know it, so hopefully someone else does. Okay, <laughs> someone else does and they can tell us. But basically, he, he came over here in like this, crazy expedition um you know where he traveled in um you know like those trucks that that carry gas like they're like tubes or whatever so that was like there was a bunch of him and a bunch of people by the way he's by himself no family um and it was filled with molasses so basically up to like you know um their knees and then they they all sat kind of like a couple on benches and stuff but he was, uh, apparently it's really hot in there. And so he was like laying in this molasses, 
um, traveling uh, from Guatemala to, uh, I think they ended up in Texas or something, but that was just part of the trip, you know, and then he had yeah. to go like in the, through this forest. Well, he's got molasses all over him. And then, you know, if you can imagine, like he's looking like a scarecrow basically after this because yeah. everything's sticking to him. And I mean, it's just, it's tremendous, like trial of, of just getting here. Then of course coming uh, and getting his way to LA and then you know becoming um being uh, no not really knowing any English anyways he 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 studied karate and he studied martial arts he's a fighter as well um he's fought in Bellator and World Series of Fighting and uh, he told me this story and he said you know after all of this that I've been through which man I mean I've been through a lot but this guy's been through through way more yeah he said what's helped me the most is people believing in me and people belief in me helped me to believe more in myself. And I came up with this phrase, believe to believe. And he actually had it tattooed on his uh, shoulder very exactly the same way I have it. So actually I got mine like his, and I was, uh, I was just really, I don't know. It hit me. It hit me so hard because I knew, I, I knew exactly what he meant. And I remembered, you know, I'm, I'm a fighter, but I'm a lover too. And I have like both extremes and I, and I feel strongest when I'm in love, when I feel like I'm fighting for someone, when I have someone, you know, uh, believing in me and I can, I can help them get stronger by being stronger. And and it just kind of like, it ricochets this energy back and forth. And that's when I'm the strongest. And I know that about myself. So it just kind of like, it just, it stuck so close to me. And I said, Oh, you know what? I'm going to get that tattoo. And there's other uh, people that have it as well. Um, and that really kind of live by all friends of Rudy's um, wow. family and stuff. So yeah, that's kind of how it, how it began. And that was a few years ago. I was probably three, almost four years ago. And uh, we start, both of us started to kind of put it out there and, and explain, you know, times of, of uh of trial when when we need uh you know when we need it the most that's when we're we're there to people are there to help and, and it, you know it's just basically what MVP is you know it's right. it's that ability to kind of know that you're not alone um and know that you have that that power and that people lifting you and um but you know what there are times in your life and there's times in my life because I move around a lot, so I don't necessarily have friends, you know, when you first move. And there's, there yeah. have been times where I, I felt alone and I didn't feel supported. Uh, my dad's really not really supporting me in my, my MMA career right now. And that's a big, tri- you know, tri- tribulation in, in my life. And so I am kind of feeling that. And in the end, you just got sometimes to believe, to believe in yourself. And that's it, you know. And if you want something bad enough, even though sometimes people will um, – It'll be like, you know, the ratio will be wrong and you'll have a 70-30, 70% doesn't believe in you and doesn't think you can do it. You still have to just believe in yourself and um, and that takes a lot of, of strength. And I think that's what Rudy um, also had to do at times, but he realized when, you know, obviously when those people were there to support and, and push it just was that much better, you know. Wow. Had you already started your career in the MMA when you met Rudy? Yeah, I had already uh, had nine professional fights okay. at Jackson Winkle Jones. Yeah, and then 
he had a, a few pro fights um, when we met. So this, he hadn't fought. I hadn't fought in the UFC yet. I had fought in Bellator. He hadn't fought in Bellator World Series. So we both kind of like have made our dreams happen since then as well. And we, we talk about it often about how just, you know, the sky's the limit and we've come so far, even though, you know, we're both not exactly where we want to be. Yeah. Um, even though we've made, made these, these uh, advances in our career, we're still not where we want to be, but you just keep, keep moving forward. Yeah. Wow. What an incredible story. And that phrase is, is Thank you. the phrase is sticking and it's spreading because, you know, yeah. it's something that stuck with me, you know, and, and you're continuing to voice it out there to, you know, everybody that you come in contact with. Um, and before you started your MMA career, you were a successful hockey player and you played overseas. So you have some toughness in you before you got into the octagon. What sparked your interest to actually make the move to MMA? Uh, I've always done martial arts, like here and there in my life. Um, started at in karate when I was a kid. I think I was like eight. Shotokan, I did it with my dad. My dad was a brown belt. He did it collegiately. Wow. In uh, LSU. Uh, so he kind of, but see, my dad's a Vietnam vet, right? So, uh-huh. <laughs> and a Marine at that point, man. Wow. He was <laughs> kind of the leader, you know, was the leader of the pack. And um, So if that has any merit on, on your idea of who, kind of how he is. And yeah. he kind of just always taught me to, to kind of stand up for myself uh, mentally, physically. And there were times in school where like, hey, dad, this girl wants to fight me. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. All right. This is what you're going to do. Okay? You're going <laughs> to, you're going to take, you're going to take your backpack. You're going to keep it on your left arm. You're going to drop it off and you're going to slightly backhand her with your right hand. <laughs> then you're going to come in, push, kick her, uh, punch her, blah, blah, blah. And like, we would practice it. Like it was, you know, legit. Like, that's awesome. uh, this is it. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I would do. I remember this exact moment. This was like in junior high school. And I did that exact routine. Um, the girl had no idea. Thought She thought she was going to totally mess me up. And then uh, I got suspended and my dad was so happy he took me shopping. So, you know, it's like, that's kind of what I read. And he's like, I don't know why you became a fighter. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Yeah. And then the same in hockey. Like I, I definitely I fought a lot in that sport. And when I played with guys, when I played with girls, didn't really matter who I was playing. I just definitely, you know, just didn't like people doing cheap to me. And so I kind of stood up for myself. Yeah, that's a very, you know, aggressive and physical sport. Oh, yeah. Especially when it's all boys. I mean, there are literally teams in high school I played on that were all boys and uh, full contact. So oh, wow. they, you know, tried to kill me <laughs> and they were big. There was no weight classes. Yeah. You know, it was like, this is, I was 115 pounds wet. And like, these guys were football players in the off season. And like, you know. Yeah, definitely put some toughness in you for sure. Was there anything in particular that you struggled with during your transition into MMA and into the UFC? I guess the struggle was trying to make enough time to train and 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 work and pay bills you know when when I was in Albuquerque uh before I got I landed a really good job as a photographer mm-hmm. at a uh, like really nice studio there I I struggled and I was with my boyfriend and we were like going to, to a church to get money 
for rent and, and uh, going to like their storage for food. And I mean, it was definitely uh, a struggle. I think that was the biggest struggle. The physical stuff was just, you know, yeah, there were times where I got beat up. A lot of times I got beat up at the beginning, but I actually was really lucky. There was a guy um, that I met before I moved to Albuquerque, right before I moved to Albuquerque, named Dennis Maloof. And he was a cousin of the Maloofs that owned like the Palms and stuff like that. So, yeah. you know, <clears throat> very successful family. And I, he actually sponsored me for a good nine months where he paid my my rent at this extended stay. I literally li- like lived at this extended stay for nine months. Yeah. It gave me money for food. And uh, all I did was literally train all day long, like wow. every day, three, three to four times a day. Like I never trained less than that. And I did that for nine months and I, you know, I did, I got beat up a lot. I mean, I'm training with Holly Holm and Julie Kedzie, uh, Michelle Watterson, wow. Jody Escabel, you know, these girls have been training for a really long time and they all had several, several, you know, professional fights Yeah. and they, and they didn't take it easy on me. <laughs> so I, you know, I did, I broke, I broke, I think my orbital, the first like hard sparring session with Julie Kedzie and she, cause we used to spar with MMA gloves. Like now they have like puffy ones, but yeah, we, yeah. Had, we didn't have, we didn't have that then. This was in 2000 uh 2009 and so we didn't have those so we we sparred in you know once a week in these little gloves or if someone had a fight coming up we sparred in actual MMA gloves so that was tough there were definitely times like I think that I was a little discouraged and and stuff but I never like there was only been one time in my career that I felt like maybe I should give it up but through all those years of beginning I didn't really feel that way I guess I was just so determined and I just knew that it was so what I was supposed to be doing I just knew that that was the process when it when when you were at that time in your career when you're like hey I'm ready to give it up did you utilize that believe to believe mindset or was that before yeah Yeah. absolutely um yeah and I I'm lucky that I had uh some people so that was actually like uh my last fight right right before my last fight Mm -hmm. I had brought Rose Nami Yunus, the UFC champ, yeah. out to train with me in, in Vegas for a week for the beginning of my camp. And I had just had a plate put in my orbital like two months before oh, um, on the floor of my orbital. And apparently, and they like messed around my nose too a little bit. So I had this major surgery and I'm kind of getting back in the beginning of camp. And on, a, on Monday, we, you know, we grappled and did some MMA and everything was went pretty well. Like, you know, we, we was great, great training, both had, uh, some good things. And then the next day, uh, we sparred and I got my ass, you know, like handed to me bad, really bad. It's so bad that my coaches were like, like they, they had never talked to me like this either. They were just very like tough love. Like you gave her Amy sparring. She came out here to get like high level sparring and what the f- is that blah, blah, yeah. blah. like maybe you should pull, maybe you should pull out of your fight and like I had bruises on my face and everything and like I actually called up Tisha Torres who's kind of like a sister to me and I uh-huh. FaceTimed her and I was like look at my face <laughs> and I start like kind of tearing up and she's like what happened I'm like, I sparred with Rose and it didn't go so good yeah. 
Um, I don't, maybe I just don't have it anymore. Maybe I'm just, maybe it's too much. And she just kind of did that, you know, believe to believe and just kind of just talked me up a little bit and just made me feel better. And, and I talked to my, my, I was seeing a sports psychologist for my last fight. So just talking to him and he just like reminded me that every day is a, is a separate day. And that day doesn't mean anything. It's just a yeah. bad day, you know? And yeah. Like, I really had to separate that from my last fight, just being like, okay, well, it's not it's not one day that's going to change the, the outcome of the fight or change the way that I am. It's like, it's all individualized. So I really, I put that aside. I kind of put myself back together again and uh, sparred again on Thursday. And man, thank God it went very differently uh, because <laughs> I probably would have stopped. Um, fighting if it didn't you know yeah. like it was that it was that kind of like uh this is do or die and uh you know she's still amazing fighter i'm not saying like i won't trust by any means <laughs> uh but it was definitely a very different sparring session yeah. so it was nice and we talked you know rose is amazing we, we like sat down and we talked about it too and talked about how the mental part of that and how how i did do a lot better and i just i pray that uh she didn't just go easy on me (laughs) (laughs) no um no she wouldn't do that so yeah so she 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 really helped me kind of put things into perspective uh in that moment and it was the support of everyone else even though again that that ratio was a little bit tilted uh at that moment being that my coaches were making me feel like they didn't believe in me and there were um, other people maybe that also didn't but but I just stayed true to the people that that did believe me and and in the end I believed in myself and it's incredible look like from an outside looking in for UFC you see two fighters and they want to they're about to go into the ring and fight each other right but you know on the inside you're naming all of these fighters that you went and looked to for mentorship or looked to for advice, which is awesome, you know, because you obviously can't do everything yourself, but you have to believe in yourself. It's pretty cool to see that. And I don't think a lot of people do. They only see, you know, the pay-per-view fights or they only the competitiveness. see competitiveness. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's really cool that, that you were able to do that. We talked about it earlier. You did play hockey and that's more of a team sport where, you know, each player is doing their job to, you know, contribute with UFC. The team is really your training staff and you're the one that goes out and has to fight. So can you share that like transition or that mentality? That Well, you... it's still MMA. I mean, MMA, even though it's individualized, well, like you're in the actual cage by yourself, uh, it still takes a team to train for a fight. You know, mm-hmm. you don't, you still need sparring partners. You still need a multiple of coaches. Um, so really it's a small, it's like a smaller team and not everyone on that team is contributing in this directly. It's, it's indirectly, you know, obviously like a heavyweight may not, uh, I won't be sparring with him, but uh, it's that person may be watching me spar and, and, and say something to contribute to, you know, the belief to believe in making me feel um, good about, about the fight. Like John Jones was one of those people in Albuquerque. He, man, just being, I guess, you know, I look up to him. He's one of my favorite fighters. I think he's 
really um, the best fighter ever in MMA. And mm-hmm. so when he would say like, wow, that, that he used to call my right hand a uh, laser cross. He'd call me laser cross. Nice. And it's like when, you know, he'd come in and he'd, he'd be watching me and he'd say, okay, Heather, I want like, I want to, on this next round, I want a leg kick. I want a, a left high kick and I want a straight right. And, you know, I had to land those things in the, in the next sparring set, uh, round. And it was like, those were moments like he cared enough to, to come up with that and then watch me do it. Wow. Um, and that was, that was someone who took the time to invest in me. You know, and there were a lot of people like that. So even though, again, that's the team mentality, even though I didn't spar with John, mm-hmm. you know, there are people in my life like that just, God, the littlest thing, when you, when you respect someone in the, in the gym and you, they notice your, your sparring or, wow, you look really sharp or this and that, like those are, again, it's, that's that believe to believe mentality. It's, God, it feels good. Yeah. It feels really good when someone notices and when someone says something. So that's the team again. And I know that I've, I'm a good teammate. Like I know when people need reassurance and, when, and like, I like to be that good person and, and notice things. Like I'm not going to ever lie. I'm not going to say you look good when you didn't. Yeah. But if I notice someone's like really looking good or doing something, like I'm definitely going to be that person to go and say it. So I think that's, um, it's still a really, it really is a team. But yes, when you get in there, uh, the, the, the cage, you know, door shuts, uh, it is just you and, and your coaches are there with you as well. And they're talking to you. And, um, uh, but I don't know, in hockey, it's weird. I never, I felt like I was still very, and even though it was a team effort and you couldn't blame the win or loss necessarily on one person, I still felt more individualized on all my hockey teams. I never felt as close to my hockey teams as I did my maybe in college maybe it's a little different but yeah, yeah I, and it, there was a lot of politics in that so maybe that's why too so i always felt individual more individualized on a hockey team because i was like i directly or didn't you know what i mean like i if i missed the the pass or if i made a bad pass or if i let someone if i was playing d and someone got by me and scored it's like ah that's me that was on me not on them yeah yeah that's that's interesting it's an interesting perspective too because like I said, outside looking in, you see hockey and it's a team sport and you see UFC and it's just one person fighting somebody else. You know, it's, it's more individualized. Yeah. What, what have you learned from fighting in the UFC that you apply outside the octagon? Um, I think it's just a relentless uh, effort and determination uh, and will to kind of make anything happen. It's like, I know what it takes to prepare for a fight and, it's a mental, physical, emotional uh, roller coaster, and I think if I can have it with anything in my life, if I took that, you know, determination and put it towards anything, it would I could do anything. Yeah. Now the struggle that I find, and and I'm finding this because, you know, I am I am kind of doing things other than fighting right now because I know I'm not going to be fighting that much longer, and my passion isn't the same. So it's not as easy gotcha, yeah. <laughs> to put that, that type of uh, determination into something that you don't, you know, have as much love for. So that's why I've always like <clears throat> really talked about finding things that you love to do and, you know, you'll never work a day in your life. It's, it's, it's so true. And so I am kind of searching for, for that again and 
um, I know I'll find it, but it's just, uh, it's hard. So how do I get myself? So that's the question. So how do I motivate myself to, to make things happen in my life, doing something that I may not be as passionate about as fighting. And really that just comes down to why I'm doing it and what's the result of it and why, you know, why, what's the point of it? And then I just remember, okay, well, I'm going to make the most out of my time. I'm not going to do something half-assed because I'm going to get half-assed results. And then I'm really going to hate it. Yeah. So it just matter if you like it or not, you got to just dive in a hundred percent. And, uh, and then what's rewarding is, is the hundred percent return. That's awesome. That's some really good advice. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Knowing what you know now, and hopefully this can help you out with the next step in your career as well. What advice would you give yourself when you first started fighting in MMA? Um, I would definitely say train hard, uh, train smarter, not harder. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, it's always, you always think about the hours that you can put in and, you know, I don't know. I think I would have just done a lot more visualization, a lot more drilling mm -hmm. as opposed to as much hard, hard stuff. Cause my body's feeling it, you know, and I definitely train like that. Now I train more, um, smart. I listen to my body and instead of kind of pushing past that. So there's, there are times when you, you got to push past like the soreness and stuff like that, but uh -huh. injuries and all that, I think would have been a little bit less if I would have listened to myself and stretched more and done more mobility. Like, that's kind of becoming more, um, more widely like spread with, with the mobility and using, you know, lacrosse balls and, um, foam rolling and stuff. We didn't, when I first started, there wasn't foam rollers in the gym. There was, yeah, we didn't have that at, when I played football either. I think we had it at the strength and conditioning gym that I worked out in Albuquerque, but there was, you know, it just didn't, it wasn't a bit as big of things. So it was just beginning. So I think now that it's just, there's that people need to do more of that any athlete. Uh, yeah. So that you save your body. For sure. Awesome. Well, Heather, I'd like to wrap it up. I have two final questions that I like to ask. Can you share your favorite story of what a fan has done to get your attention? Well, there was a guy, I mean, there's been, there's been a, a lot of people who are, are who are amazing. Um, it's hard for me to pick which one of these I want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we'll talk about this really sweet guy. His name is DJ and he, uh, right after my surgery. So I had fought in the finale and then a few days later I had an ACL surgery and it was Christmas two weeks later or like a week later. So this guy, DJ, uh, sent me, you know, uh -huh. this really cool framed, quote and it said believe and it had like I can't even remember what it said but it you know it was just it was awesome and then he sent me my favorite perfume I, I don't know if he asked me what it was or maybe I don't <laughs> remember just, like, found I don't out know, somehow. yeah <laughs> yeah and uh and so yeah so he sent me my my favorite perfume and this this thing and and that was just really thoughtful um and he yeah so but again I don't if it, like any of my fans are listening to this. Don't think I don't love you because I didn't mention you yeah. in this story because I am, I'm just so thankful and grateful for, for my fans and all the things they've done. There's, it just, uh, it's been great. So that's awesome. Thank you. And final question. What's your favorite memory of fighting in the UFC? In the UFC was definitely when I, 
my only win in the EFC, which was the Beck Rawlings fight. Um, you know, I had had an ACL torn, uh, and at that point, I had torn my meniscus because uh, I was training for that fight. So I had a torn torn meniscus, torn ACL. I fought this girl who flips me off at the weigh-ins, talks <laughs> mad about me, the whole Ultimate Fighter. I cannot tell you how good it felt when that when they raised my hand. And I like, if you watch the tape and watch the fight at the end of the fight, he raised the uh, raised my hand. And before he even lets go, I pull it away and I run it out my dad and I jump in his arms and uh, I break, I like almost break his glasses. I cut his face because his glasses hit his face <laughs> and, uh, and I pull him off and I'm holding the glasses in my hands because they're like about to fall. And I just, that moment uh, makes me want to cry because it was just, uh, it was amazing. God, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Heather, thank you so much again for taking your time, sharing some amazing stories and the advice that you have. You know, I know that all the listeners are definitely going to learn something from it and have a lot of respect for you and all the women, you know, fighting MMA and fighting UFC. So thank you again. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Heather Joe Clark and took a little something that you can apply in your life. Before you go, please do us a favor and leave a comment or review. We love to hear what you guys learn from sports and how it has had an influence on your life. Everything can be found on the website, AuthenticAthletesTheShow.com. Again, it's AuthenticAthletesTheShow.com. Thank you guys again for listening and have a wonderful day.